Thanks for tuning in to Christian Medical and Dental Association's chapel. May the message be a blessing to you. All right, so what I want to talk to, to us today about is, um, are we living in the age of misinformation? So if you're a history buff, you've, you know about the Bronze Age and the Stone Age, and um, conventional wisdom will tell you that uh, the age of information started around 1970 when computers kind of became more prolific, and by the, certainly by the 80s when now we had them in our hands. So... People will tell you we live in the age of information. I want to ask today is, are we maybe living in the age of misinformation? Now, I've been tentatively working on this for several months, and it's always awesome to see where, how God's timing is. Um, Jeff and I did not communicate about what he was talking about on Tuesday, but I want to say that today is kind of understanding our age, the age that we live in as maybe part of a series, okay, which again, we did not corroborate on that, but I think this is, consider the age we live in today, or we live in an age of misinformation. So let me give you some data. Um, have you ever heard of the knowledge doubling curve? Are you familiar with this at all? Okay. So there's a gentleman named Buckminster Fuller who's credited with this, but a lot of folks have, you know, kind of... Uh, bought into this, and it's, again, con conventional wisdom to say this is somewhat accurate. And it says for essentially up through about 1900, human knowledge doubled every century, okay? By 1945, it's considered that human knowledge doubled at a rate of about every 25 years, okay? Fast forward to 2013, and it said human knowledge doubles about now every 13 months. Okay. Now, anybody want to venture a guess as to where we're at on that curve today? How often does human knowledge double today? Any thoughts? I'm sorry? 90 days. Okay. Anybody else? 60. Six weeks. Sorry. Sorry. How about every day? Now, how accurate this is, I mean, even if that's off by a factor of 50%, that's saying, okay, well, maybe it's doubling every two days, okay? Point being, compared to even less than 10 years ago, knowledge is doubling at a very fast pace, a pace that none of us can really keep up with, right. In the IT world, we talk about big data. That's one of the, if you go to um, a conference on IT, one of the things they'll talk to you about is big data. There's so much information out there, and it's available at our fingertips, okay, through the Internet. Um, and, and how is that changing how we do our job in IT, and how is that changing the support we provide to the rest of our organizations? Some data on that, data on big data. Uh, and, and by the way, I've, I've got a link in here, and I'll send out a link to my 
slides, in case anybody's interested in going back and looking at any of this anymore. It says, on average, every human being created 1.7 megabytes of data per second in 2020. Okay. Um, it's hard to wrap my arms around that, but I do feel like, okay, now maybe I understand why I can never get to the bottom of my email box. Okay. Um, a lot of that is not just, is video data, and that's part of why it's, such a large number, like 1.7 megabytes, and that's every person, okay? Um, another point is there are almost 5 million active Internet users in the world as of January of last year, okay? Um, put that in perspective, in the U.S., we have 329 million people. Um, I heard a commentator say eight or nine years ago, if you're in the, if you're in the U.S., you, you likely have internet and you're an active internet user if you're anywhere from the age of 5 to 95. Okay. I understand that a little bit more now that I have a 6-year-old granddaughter because she's now, within the last year, gotten on the internet. When you can read, and sometimes even prior to being able to read, you find out that people get onto the internet. Experts estimate there are now approximately 6 billion Google searches every day. Okay. Another ancillary fact to that that I find really interesting is Google only, you know, Google has a crawler out there that looks for information so that they can catalog it so it'll come back on a search. Google claims to only have cataloged 0.04% of all Internet data. So it's not like they're giving you the majority, okay, of what's out there when they bring you back a search. So, there's a reason we call it big data. All right, but what about the quality of this data? I mean, who's doing the fact-checking, right? Um, I think back to presidential debates when I was young, and they, if somebody said something that clearly the next day the you know, the uh, newspapers or TV claimed was inaccurate. Boy, it was, it was almost scandalous, okay? Now what do they do at the end of a debate? They'll go through, well, okay, he said this. Th these are the things that we find to be 24% accurate, 50, you know, 38% accurate. I mean, they'll give you a list of all the things that are said that are dubious, okay? Um, with that amount of data, who could check it all anyway? I think it's also true that free, free speech and true speech are not synonymous. Again, going back to when I was, uh, first became an adult, it seemed like it, you would hear, if something was said that was maybe inaccurate, libel or slander, you know, they would, they would take it to the court, okay? I don't hear those things anymore. There's so much being said about people and inaccurate that we just kind of glance right over it. Okay. So let's define this term misinformation for a minute. Um, misinformation is defined as false or inaccurate information, but not just inaccurate, inaccurate with the intent of deliberately intending to deceive. Okay, so 
Somebody's taken information, they've skewed it a little bit, and they're presenting it to you, wanting to persuade you to either do something or think differently. How do we spot it? How do you spot misinformation? There's a book that I read about a year ago called Manipulated by the former CIO of the White House. So I think, okay, she's got the title CIO. I should be listening to this person, right? Somebody caught it. Okay. So she goes through and talks about um, cyber um, war. Okay. She calls it war. And, and she's talking about the manipulation of data so that, uh, in, in her case, uh, prior to the 2020 election, so that we would not believe in the results of the election. All right, that was her take on it. But she goes through a lot deeper and say, how does it happen? Who's doing it? Why are they doing it? And so forth. Okay. And one thing that she just mentions just a little paragraph about, I, I found it really interesting, Again, this book came out pre-pandemic. She mentions vaccines, okay? And she talks about some information on vaccines as to, you know, we generally consider a vaccine has been vetted. It's, we go through an independent process to determine it's good for society. So, you know, vaccines are generally accepted in the Western world as being, you know, something we should consider and we should take. Um, why is there information out there on the internet saying they're bad? And she goes on to say uh, there are folks that want to essentially uh, take our belief in vaccines because it's largely government supported, it's an independent part of the government, and tell us that um, vaccines are not necessarily as safe as the government's telling us. They want, to, they want us to distrust our government. Okay, And she goes into who those folks are and why they would do that, okay? So she gives us reason to say why we should, we should question some of the information out there that has largely been debunked about vaccines that, in fact, um, still keeps coming up on the Internet through robots and that sort of thing. And again, that's an interesting fact on vaccines because um, that wasn't her main goal. Her main goal was to talk to us about elections. My pastor... Um, has said this for years. He said, you don't read a book, you read an author, okay? So when we see information that we're not sure about, what should we do? Well, we should consider who the author is. Where did it come from? A lot of what's out there um, in social media and the Internet is it's a little difficult to go back and find out who the author is, so read that a little bit more discerning, Okay. But always consider who the author is. Um, it was only recently that I understood that Charles Darwin lost his mother early in life. And historians will tell you that um, he never really forgave God for taking his mother away. So when you read Origin of the Species and you understand that Charles Darwin had a belief that Either he wanted to discount who God was or he wanted to say, really, there is no God, because if there was a God, he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have done this to me. You can read Origin of the Species a little bit differently with a little bit different perspective than if you read it without knowing who the author is. Okay. So always when you read, don't read the book, read the author. Um, you ever, the expression, we are what we eat. Okay. Uh, I was in a 
Promise Keepers several years ago, and one of the things that I came away with was the, um, one of the speakers saying, the person you will become five years from today will be most influenced by the people you hang out with, the books you read, and the television you watch. Okay? Now, even that information is a little dated because today we have to say the people you hang out with, what you watch, and what you read. Not necessarily TV or, or books, but what you read and, and what you, and what you um, watch. Um, yesterday, Hunter and I were meeting with uh, Sue, Alicia, and, and Trish uh, talking about this service reef project. And naturally, when you get that group together, the conversation is going to come around to what? Desserts. I said <laughs> well, we talked about that, too. We talked about that, too. <laughs> so one of the comments that was made is when I, and I won't tell you who said this, but when I look at a dessert, I decide, is it calorie worthy? Okay. In other words, what I get, the, the sensation I get when I taste it, is that going to justify the calorie that I now have to burn off later, right? When we look at information, whether it be social media or a book or whatever, maybe we should take, take the same consideration. Is it worth the time that I'm putting into it and what it's going to do with my mind, with my, you know, as I absorb it, okay, um, for me to read that or not? Something to consider. Um, so we, we think the internet, social media, viral marketing has all changed the game, right? Because all this information is in front of us now in a way that we've never experienced it before. We tend to think of ourselves and where we're at. Uh, we're very me-centric, right? Well, let's go back a little bit and talk information in a more historical manner, okay? Um, the first conversation ever recorded in Scripture, if you think about it, it involved misinformation. Satan talking to Eve about in the Garden of Eden about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he, he questioned what she knew, you know, and then he came back and he said, you know, you're not really going to die. And in fact, you're going to gain wisdom. Okay, the very first conversation ever recorded, and there's misinformation in there. I find that interesting. Genesis 20, Abraham, who's the father of many nations, Abraham is with, and Sarah are with Abimelech, and he's introducing her, what, as his sister, Okay. Now, one of the things about misinformation is usually there's some truth in there, okay? But there's also some misinformation or some information that's not true or we're leaving something out, that sort of thing. So Abraham did this with the idea of, well, you know, okay, she is actually my, my half-sister. But he left out a very important point that she was his wife. So there's information that was, Abimelech was misinformed. And then look back through the rest of Genesis. You've got Jacob and Rebekah deceived Isaac for, Isaac's birth, uh, for the, the birthright. Uh, Laban deceives Jacob, turns right around and 
couple of chapters later, it's done to Jacob, what was done to him. Um, when Laban says, oh, you worked seven years for my daughter. Well, obviously I meant Leah. But it was clear, I think, in the conversation that Jacob intended for Rachel. Genesis 37, when we get into Joseph's brothers and they sell him off into slavery, um, they then take his coat and put it in goat's blood. This is classic misinformation, right? They didn't actually tell his father that he'd been killed. They just give him some information and let him draw his own conclusion. Probably more powerful that way because he's decided it himself. And then Joseph himself took his own cup and had it put in Benjamin's sack so that he could later accuse, falsely accuse him of stealing so he could keep him for his own objectives. Okay. Now one of the interesting points about all this is these are our patriarchs. Okay. These are the fathers of our faith and yet they still experienced, and in many cases, were the instigators of misinformation. Okay, so this is the Old Testament, right? Fast forward, Jesus comes, we have the day of Pentecost, we have the Holy Spirit. Things must be better. Let me give you three examples from the New Testament. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul had to write to the folks in Thessalonica to explain that what was being said, that apparently there are some folks running around saying, well, according to Paul, Jesus has already come back and taken all his believers with him. That's already happened. Paul had to write and refute that. There's folks out there spreading misinformation in his name. Moved to 1 Corinthians, and Paul wrote essentially this whole letter because people were taking and adding to the gospel bullies from other religions, predominantly that the you know, Greek ideas that uh, the body and physical things were all bad. Okay? So he wrote the whole book of 1 Corinthians to correct this misinformation. And by the time we get to 2 Peter, Peter's just talking about it in general. We're not even talking about specifics here. He says, there are false prophets and false teachers among them who will secretly introduce destructive heresies I want to exploit you with fabricated stories. He also goes on to say, many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Sound familiar? We could probably take that and make that the, an article today about some things happening in the church today. So how are we supposed to deal with misinformation? First suggestion is Solomon in Proverbs tells us to seek wisdom and understanding starting with a fear of the Lord. Okay. Uh, Bert had challenged us to consider reading a couple of chapters a day. Uh, if you don't have a plan, one thing I might suggest is Billy Graham used to read Proverbs. He'd read a chapter of Proverbs every day. There were 31. And so he would go through Proverbs every month. Okay. That's a really easy thing to do. You can start today on the 13th and read chapter 13 and then pick up the others next month. Okay? And then he would read five psalms. So you can pretty much take 
today number times five and read those five psalms. So if you want a plan, that's one thing that you can do, and Billy Graham's a pretty good example to follow. Okay? As I've been doing that here the last couple of weeks, Solomon doesn't just say this once or twice. This is really throughout the book that he's talking about. Seek wisdom, seek understanding. And then Paul actually gives Timothy some very specific instructions um, that I think have to do with misinformation. So we'll, we'll talk through, through those. Um, it's largely 14 through 26 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, but before he, he says this, he, he gives a couple other points. He says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And now I'm just going to highlight a couple of things. He, if we've died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So as things got tough, he wanted Timothy to remember the basics. Christ risen from the dead and the promises about how we will share in him and with him in the future. He then goes on to say, all right, so I'm not going to read through this, but I, this is available for you if you want to go through a little more detail. Let me just hit the highlights here. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 26, he says, Remind them of these things. What are these things? The things that we just talked about, who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, and I love this part, but only ruins the hearers. Did you ever do that thing as a kid? Maybe you've done it as an adult where you cover your ears. Somebody's telling you something you don't want to hear. You cover your ears and you la, 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 la. You know, I'm not going to hear this. Okay. I almost feel like that's what he's saying. You know, it's ruining us as hearers to be part of these quarrels. So avoid it. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who not, does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That goes back to the word and understanding of Solomon where he says study or Spend time in the Word so that you can discern. But avoid irreverent babble. Okay? One of the other translations uses the words godless chatter. Okay? Um, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Okay? I'm not a doctor. Don't even play one on TV. But I think spreading like gangrene means what? Very fast. Is that, is that fair? The term godless chatter, um, Barbara and I were talking the other day about things that become part of our lexicon, you know, in your family. Uh, my brother and I watched an old Western movie years ago that turned out to be one of our favorites. And at one point, uh, this guy looks at John Wayne and says, you know, what's your name? He says, oh, it doesn't matter. He says, okay, Mr. Doesn't Matter. And he goes on from there. Well, every time I use the phrase doesn't matter to my brother... He looks at me and says, okay, Mr. Doesn't Matter. Okay. It's part of our lexicon. Okay. So let me challenge you to maybe take godless chatter and consider making that part of our lexicon here. Um, if you're in a conversation with somebody and we start talking down the road, and we've all done it, you all know when I point one finger at you, three of them are pointed back at me. Okay. So when somebody is talking to me, and we're headed down the road of godless chatter, challenge me on that and just say, you know, is that where we're headed? Is that, is that what this conversation's about? And let's see if we can't maybe, as Barney would say, what? Nip it, nip it. There we go. <laughs> 
have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Gosh, that sounds like what we just heard, doesn't it? He's emphasizing it. And then the last point here, um, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his or her opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Okay. So I think one of the things I've learned as I, put, as I studied this was just because we're believers doesn't mean we're not ensnared by the devil with misinformation. Okay. It's, we've all been there. Maybe we're there in certain aspects today. We need to be kind to each other. We need to teach each other. We need to patiently endure those things uh, so that we get an opportunity to teach. Okay? Uh, a quarrel does not give you an opportunity to come back and, and educate somebody and give them additional information. And we need to um, consider it, you know, it may be on our end as well. So in summary, let me say this. Remember Christ, crucified, risen, reigning, and we are joint heirs with Christ. Study the right stuff so that we would become discerning. Avoid the godless chatter. And then treat opponents with kindness and gentleness. And pray that God will free them and us from the influence of Satan when it comes to these things that are misinformation that we may be considered or controversies.